Welcome to Second Wind with Joyce Buford, a program for and about women. Joyce Buford is a certified coach and motivational speaker who has a passion for helping women who need a second win. She is the author of the Amazon bestseller, Effortless Happiness, How to Find Your Voice and Finally Ask for What You Really Want. She studied directly with her mentor, Jack Canfield, and is a fully certified coach in his program. Also, she has served as an assistant in his training programs. Through her study with many prestigious coaches and mentors, she has created a powerful program that has positively impacted thousands of people. On today's program, Joyce and her guests will help you to get your second wind. Now here's your host, Joyce Buford. Good morning. Thank you for being here today. It's always great to hear know that you're out there. And so I am so excited that we're going to be talking about love today. I love that. You know, we have just been through one of the most unbelievable and I wouldn't say we're through it, actually, experiences or crisis um, over the last three months, really, really coming to a head in the United States within the last uh, month and a half to two months. And so it's overwhelming to think that a woman and that lives in China, a woman that lives in Italy, a woman that lives in in New York, England, that we are all going through and experiencing the same emotions with this fear, doubt, um, and then we've turned it into giving and sharing and helping our fellow man. And it's just, it's, it's really hard to wrap your hand, your arms around that and take it in. It, it the magnitude is so big. And so I really, although it has been a very sad time for so, so, so many people, there have been good things that have come out of this horrible crisis. COVID-19 has taught us maybe to come recenter to us. We've seen the sky again in many countries where pollution prevented that. We've seen wildlife coming back. We've seen neighbors helping neighbors. Um, and it's just been a life-changing experience for all of us that are here experiencing it. We are in a very unique time. So I think it's very appropriate. I am so excited about our guest today because she talks about healing through love. I love that. I love that that's where we are today. We are in a more fulfilled love state than we have been in several years. We've quieted the noise, and she has some powerful keys for us. So she is, she, she does have a name, Dr. Erica Goodstone, and she calls herself the the healer, the healing through love mentor, speaker, and author. But she's so much more than that. She writes she prolifically from all of her different articles. But she likes to heal our bodies, our out- attitudes, our beliefs, our actions, our reactions, our choices, our decisions, and how you want to live 
your best life is really her message. Now, I have to tell you that when I saw all of Dr. Erica's, which is how we'll be referring to her today, she's given us be okay with that, um, is that I'd love to, I just want to share with you all of her work and all of her degrees that really make her an authority on this. She is a um, healing through love mentor and spiritual relationship healer, a licensed mental health counselor, a licensed marriage therapist, board certified sex therapist, touch and somatic awareness therapist, and she's personal life and health and wellness coach. Her passion is to teach you about love and help you heal yourself and your relationships to others through love. Now, she now lives in Florida, and she has started out in New York in the East. But she's staying on that Eastern Coast. Erica, Dr. Erica, <laughs> you like that Eastern Coast. <laughs> but anyway, well, we welcome. it's comfortable. We, it's familiar and comfortable. <laughs> I love that. I hear that. Um, we welcome you to the show. Oh, thank you so much. And I don't usually start like this, but I just realized I might forget before the end. And right now, it started yesterday, I have a live virtual summit going on called <gasps> Science and Poetry of Love. Dot com, So people can hear from a lot of different experts about love, and we uh-huh. need it so badly right now. And I also wanted to add that as part of doing this particular summit that I'm doing, I spoke to a few people in other countries right in the middle of this coronavirus epidemic, and mm-hmm. one of the people was in Croatia. And she was experiencing an earthquake in the middle of this distancing. They were supposed to stay home, but then with the earthquake, they were told they better go outside. So that was one person. And then I recently spoke to someone in Italy, sitting in her apartment. It could have been Florida. I mean, it doesn't matter where we were. We're all thinking the same way, the same emotions about men and love and relationships and women. It was amazing to me with each person. And that's going on all around the world. Mm. It is. It's just mind boggling that we're, that we're all experiencing the exact same thing. I just, I can't it's, really put my hands around it. It's so big. Mm-hmm. It's just humbling. Well, I really took the time because I was to mention each of your degrees because I am so impressed with your lifelong work of study and because it must be very, very, very important to you and how you've turned that into a healing practice for love, which is the most dynamic, life-changing emotion. Do we call it an emotion? Is it's love an emotion, emotion? It's a choice, it's an action, and it's a way of being. It's a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. I um was I 
it's sometimes it's kind of hard to put your really give a definition to it. You know, we all, as a little girl, I grew up thinking of that love that I was going to find one day. And I played when I was a little girl and listened to Cinderella. And, but I always had sort of a fantasy love, you know, like the prince was coming. Mm-hmm. And, and it's, um, you know, we don't grow up with a very, um, uh, healthy view of love. I think we, it's, we, we don't grow up with a very, um, it's much bigger than just physical love. I mean, it's, it's, it's a, it's a state almost. A state of being. Yeah. And it's, it's not just about loving the people that are close to you, like your intimate partner or your children or your parents. It's Mm -hmm. not just loving the people that serve you in some way. It's, Mm a way of opening your heart and feeling love for all people. And we are feeling this a little more, seeing that people all around the world have that same desire to go out to restaurants and leave their home and do things and be active. We are all Mm. really very similar. We are, aren't we? (laughs) Well, I always like... I always like to visit just a little bit about some of the transitions that took your life in, in different directions. And you really shared with, with the, us three, with me, three different times in your life. But can you just talk about one of the times that actually propelled you to turn from this to another direction? Well, I mentioned a few because it's just interesting how that happens. I had an experience. I was always interested in um, expanding and learning, and I was a professor of health and physical education. And I went to this yoga retreat on Paradise Island where I was having this purely vegan diet and meditating at the ocean. It was really beautiful. And then there Mm -hmm. was an evening where I was sitting there, and with the guy, he was doing some shiatsu on my back, and I was listening to Ravi Shankar, a well-known sitarist, playing the sitar, and they had Mm -hmm. given these presentations and lectures, so I was really primed. And then Mm -hmm. all of a sudden, in the middle of this, I had an experience that I call a cosmic consciousness experience of what it's like to be a road or a tree or... Uh, an animal, a a car. I just had this experience that I could be anything and what it feels like to be any of those things. And the next thing I found was I was praying to Jesus. And I'm Mm -hmm. Jewish, and we had never Uh mentioned Jesus in the house. It just wasn't part of my upbringing. So it was like such a shock to feel that. And I was at uh, a Hindu ashram. So it didn't fit with the ashram either, Hmm. with the yoga. So it was just an intense experience. And the next thing, I was sending love to everybody in my life, everyone I could think of. So that was, and I had more to this. I saw people's faces and as if they were lying when they were talking, like only the truth was in your subconscious and your eyes were like ticker tapes. It was very Mm -hmm. strange. So Mm -hmm. what happened is, I, went, I was living in New York. I came back to New York, 
and I saw people playing their roles. I was like in this trance state for a few really? days, and then I just suppressed it. It was too much for me, and I didn't have ah. a guru working with me. So I suppressed mm-hmm. it for a long time, and then I got into my doctoral program, and when I chose the topic for the dissertation, it was about this psychologist who talked about mother-infant bonding, and she had three traits that happen if the bonding is not good enough, and that was the infant would develop separation anxiety, anxiety about merger with another person or losing yourself, and intense ambivalence. One minute you love them, one minute you hate them. So that was the second time that I really Uh, got in touch with issues, and and I realized I had all of that. So I went on on a like a quest to really learn about love, and that took many years. But I was working really hard, teaching and seeing private clients. So that's why I mentioned three. The third time was that I retired. I took an early retirement from teaching, and then I just had a private practice and started building a little bit on the web and coaching. And that's when I really came into fruition about love, that it took Uh all those years. It was there. It was percolating. But I had a lot of experiences to go through, and I think all Mm -hmm. of us do. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, when we go through these heart-wrenching experiences that, you know, like for me, divorce was one, and it was just, um, it's hard at the time you're experiencing the pain and making that transition, that journey, to really realize there's some, there's a lesson in there, in there oh, wow. you know, to, mm-hmm. to change, to move your life to a different level, um, because you just can't imagine that this, this is happening. But then with time, you, you see the growth. You see the change. You see the betterment. Um, and so it's, it's really is amazing how we face those times and just like we've faced COVID-19, <laughs> you know, really. <laughs> and also we usually feel so alone as if I'm the only one getting divorced. I'm the only one feeling this. But, boy, when you get into this work and you start talking to women and men, you see Mm -hmm. how we all go through this at different times. And if Mm -hmm. someone seems to have it all together right now, wonderful marriage, wonderful relationship, you never know what's coming later on. Many people I know, beautiful ladies, found the love of their life, and he died young from some reason, an illness or an accident. So she even had everything and then doesn't have it or doesn't seem Mm. to have it because we don't know what the bigger reason is for our life. If we could only just accept that there's a reason and, and get the lesson and just try to be happy no matter what is going on. Do you work primarily with people in finding love or how did you, well, to start, just tell me how you do your, how do you do what you do? <laughs> I guess that's the best question here. That's a great it's, it's question. Big. Well, <laughs> I want to start with saying I do not have quick fixes 
<laughs> I have questions to ask people. And in person, I often do a type of body therapy because our body holds the memories. All the cells in our body retain the memories. And the way that I know that is when I was, when I first moved to Florida, I wanted to learn Spanish. So I was taking these private lessons in Spanish and I would go to say a word in Spanish like lunch and it would come out in French. <laughs> and I had not studied French in like 25 years. Oh so goodness. that's when I realized it was in my brain. Those words mm-hmm. that when there's an association, so that's what happens with love. Do we meet a person that touches us in some way because, oh, there's so much that I want to say about all of this, about the brain and how our brain has 100 million billion connections and 1 billion bits of information per second. Wow. (laughs) And then in survival, we get 100 billion bits of information. That's what's going on just in our brain. And all over our body, we retain sensations and memories. So that's why it's not a small thing when you walk into a room and you see someone that appeals to you. Because Mm -hmm. it's triggering billions of little connections in your brain. And, And the same with when you cannot... Get that person to feel the way you feel. It it triggers so much from your past about rejection and all of that. But really, so much of what's going on has more to do with whatever's happening in that person's brain and body, which may Mm -hmm. or may not correlate with what's happening in your brain and body. So it's amazing that any of us get together and laugh and love each other with all that going on. (laughs) <laughs> well, isn't isn't it kind of that's that at the beginning of a relationship, you're attracted to that other person because of, and I'm going to say this, the the strong and the weaknesses in myself that attract the strong and the weaknesses of him. Is that not true? Well, How we attract, true. we're attracted to each other. Yeah, you're attracted because of both qualities like you Uh see it you the first four seconds that you look at someone you see so much about them you see whether they're angry you see whether they're honest you see you see whether they have a loving heart whether they're judgmental you see so much of that and if that correlates with your own needs because your parents were a certain way and this is similar in some way you see it all But then at the beginning, we have this amazing body, this amazing system. Your hormones take over. So those hormones flood your system, and your brain is not, your prefrontal cortex is not operating optimally. Your limbic Mm -hmm. system is operating more strongly. So Mm -hmm. you fall for this person, and you overlook all those things, even though you see them. But then as you get a little closer, and it depends, sometimes it's just days or weeks, sometimes it's months, sometimes it's years, but there's some point where the hormones are lesser, you've settled in, you're more comfortable, and that's when you see more clearly with your 
prefrontal cortex, you see, oh, I don't like that uh, he lies about things, and I don't like that he he's insecure in this way. And I'm saying he, but it works both ways. And it works mm. for gay couples, too, that same, same phenomenon. But that's when, that's the time to start really learning how to love. Learning how uh. I, remembering why did I feel all this for this person, all these wonderful things. Now can I love this person seeing the other side? And there's always another side. If you love mm-hmm. a person who's a totally successful business person, that person most probably is not going to be this sensual, romantic, um, easy-to-be-with person. Mm. And if you find a person yeah. who's a poet and an author and sensual, a musician, they may not be good in business, so they may not bring in much money, or mm-hmm. they may not be organized or whatever the qualities are. So to love someone really requires seeing everything and accepting it. Like intimacy, they say, is into me see. So you're really mm. seeing into each other, being vulnerable, accepting so much. It really requires a lot of acceptance of the other mm. person and of yourself. Mm. That's yes. That's a good. That's a lot. You just said a lot there because I'm mm-hmm. in my mind. I'm going. Okay, I was really attracted. I really loved. I thought I had love. When I married, but then the love turned kind of bristly. You know what I mean? It wasn't, it was, I was seeing more of the negative than the positive. So what happens to the love? Did I not have love? Uh, love, there's a saying, um, I think it was from Fritz Perls who created beautiful therapeutic work. Um, mm-hmm. Love brings up anything unlike itself for the purpose of healing. So that's Uh, what happens. We choose someone to help us heal whatever unmet childhood needs we have. So we love this person and we put so much um, expectation into mm -hmm. what they can do for us. And Mm -hmm. most probably they will disappoint and mm-hmm. if they don't disappoint us, if they seem to provide everything for us, we may disappoint them mm-hmm. where they didn't receive what they needed from us because we put so much emphasis on that person that we're involved with. And then we have, it's much worse now than it ever was with social media. We have so much comparison. You see oh. these yeah. Uh, you see the people in the media, and, and not even in the media, just your local people on social media. They put on these wonderful things about their partner. Oh, I have the best partner, and I love him. <laughs> well, I've known some of these people, friends of mine, local people in Florida, who posted on Facebook about their wonderful relationship and actually came to me for counseling because they're thinking of breaking up because of all kinds of issues. Oh, no. So there's a lot of this front put on in social media and you don't know what's going on in the background but you feel I'm not my partner's not treating me that way 
But the other mm-hmm. part is, even if you you had found someone just like this woman found, a guy just like her husband, you might not be attracted to someone like that. If you come from a family where there was alcoholism or drug addiction or abuse, you may not choose a person who's just loving and gentle because that you might see them as weak or, or not appreciate them. You might need to have someone who's going through an addiction that you can help that person together to heal. I mean, you don't know why you're attracted to certain people, but it's complex. Mm. So did have we talked about the three causes of relationship problems? No, and that's a really important thing that I realized. It's so simple, but we don't think of that. Like the first, there are three, three real causes. So like I ask people, what are the causes? And they say, oh, sexual differences or money problems or he's not sensitive or he's too sensitive. But the mm-hmm. real, I believe, the real causes of the relationship problems come before that. It's first knowing yourself. No, oh. who am I? What do I like? What do I love? What brings me passion? What excites me? What am I happy doing? What do I hate doing? What is just not my personality? When you really know that, then when you're choosing a partner to love and you see you're with that person, but your excitement level goes down, you don't, you're not following your passion, you're not feeling good, then maybe you realize, this is not someone I want to be with. So mm-hmm. that's just the first part, knowing yourself. The other part, which so many people don't do, is to really know the other person before you get really involved, to know who is this other person? What do they dream about? What are they afraid of? What what are their goals? Like I dated a guy who took me to a ballet, and he was so in love with ballet dancers. Well, there was nothing I could do to make that person love me. I was not a ballet dancer. So right. I could stand on my head. I could be the greatest gymnast, and it wouldn't have mattered. So mm-hmm. you have to know who is this other person. And yeah. even if it's what you want, instead of thinking, I want this person, I'm going to show him how loving I can be, and he's going to grow to love me. Instead of thinking that way, kind of say, no, as much as I like him, I don't think he wants me, so back away. Then if he really gets interested in you, let him come to you. So that's Mm -hmm. the second one. And then the third thing, which people really, really don't try to understand, is how the world works. When you're, you're interested in someone and he hasn't texted in a few days or a few hours, a lot of women do this. They start texting and they say, you know, what's wrong? They they bother the person. If someone has not texted you, maybe that person is really busy at work. Maybe they're involved with another person that you don't even know about. Maybe they're in a relationship they want to end, but they still have feelings there. There's so much that could be going on. So the best thing to do is to keep your distance. Don't do that texting. Dr. Erica, we have to go for a break, and I'll be right back. I'm sorry to have to interrupt you. That's okay. 
Buford returns after this short break. Close your eyes and imagine living your life without limits. Where would you go? Who would you meet? What would you do? During an Uncover Your Hidden Genius session, you will discover what's keeping you from living your life with purpose, passion, and fulfillment of your potential. You'll get a clear vision of the steps you need to take to uncover your hidden genius so that you can live a life without limits. Sessions can be done over the phone, Skype, or in person. Find out more at www.JoyceBufordEmpowers.com or by calling 903-287-0747. Welcome back to this segment of Second Win. Joyce Buford, the author of Effortless Happiness, continues in this segment to share insights that will help you live a life of greater purpose and filled with happiness. Now here's our host, author and coach, Joyce Buford. Welcome back. We are talking with Dr. Erica today, and she is a love, I'm going to heal, she loves healing through love. And she teaches us how to love when she works with people, men and women, relationships, and can help them maneuver relationships. Um, we were just before break, as you know, we were talking about the three causes of relationships problems. And she was just getting into number three, which was, uh, uh, well, how the world works. Yeah, how the world works. Oh, I, the world is so cruel sometimes, Dr. Erica. <laughs> and what? But we have to know that. Yeah. We have to realize we live in this world, and it's not just happening to me. It happens to all of us, one way or another. Yeah. Um, I... um. Why is it so hard for us to experience love? Is it because from very early years we don't get healthy love? Or it's to me, it's kind of like an elusive um, feeling. And it's not a feeling, which you've already said, but is it it starts so young where we're introduced to love but it's different for everyone right, I, I have to go back to you know a few things that I mentioned like about the brain that oh, yes. we get these messages billions of bits of information coming into the brain and in the first few years of life even in the womb and as the brain starts to develop, but even before the brain develops, the body is getting these messages. So if your mother is fighting with her husband or depressed or angry or eating the wrong foods or who knows what's happening, the fetus inside is uh, taking in some kind of chemicals that is happening. So it starts even in the womb. And when I've done body psychotherapy sessions, People have memories that were pre-verbal, memories of something before they even learned how to talk. 
You know, so we have so much that's gone on that we can't even know. And then I have a wonderful friend who does multi-life therapy. So she goes back into previous lifetimes. So we may Uh, even be bringing information from other lifetimes. And not only that, we also have genetics. We have DNA from past cycles, past uh, generations. So, I mean, there's so much that came into us that we can't even know where it all begins. But it's Mm. certainly an awful lot happens from the time we're born just the moment that we open our eyes, if our parent is disappointed in some way, they wanted a boy when they got a girl or anything, we can feel that so strongly. We can feel the energy. Infants feel the energy all around them and the, whatever else goes on in the family. And then all the things that we learn, if you look at an infant, look how innocent they are and they Google and they're smile and and they're loving Mm -hmm. and very needy Mm -hmm. but when they receive really a lot of love and not just sweet love but real support look at the leading athletes so many of them gymnasts tennis players those are my two favorites um they usually have a family that supported them all the way through and the family Uh is there in the stands and you know, all the way through, that makes a big difference in life success. There are people that can succeed anyway, in spite of a family that wasn't so loving, but they do have a bigger struggle. And they found a way to create a family, to connect with people and find that love in other ways. But none of us is an island. We cannot do it alone. You need to receive love somewhere. And when you don't feel like you're receiving it, then it's up to you to reach out for support. There's a lot of support out there. You can go for counseling. You can take a free summit, like I'm going to give it again right now because it's live right now. It's scienceandpoetryoflove.com. Just go there, sign up, and you'll get free sessions with leading experts all about love. It'll be so uplifting. But that's what you can do is you can reach out for love and you can reach out for the help to find out what's blocking you from love. And I I can keep going on. Touch is powerful (laughs) for healing. That gentle touch. And if you're not receiving touch from someone else, especially now where we're, isolating many of us just being all alone you can hug yourself you can touch yourself soothing as if you were touching a baby or a pet if you have a pet touch your pet there's a reason that that we love those animals so much when you touch an animal in, in that gentle soothing way and when they come up to you and cuddle it lowers your blood pressure lowers your anxiety there's so many good qualities that come out of that for your body, mind, and spirit. Mm. Now, you, when you talk about that, well, I live alone, and so I have a dear companion here, my Moo. Her name is Moo. Um, <laughs> wow. <laughs> and she's blind, and she can't hear. So she's of the upper age. and But 
you know, she still feels my touch, of course. And I'm wondering about the, the touch of that I'm giving to her, which is full of love, of course. And like, I used to think that just the touch, like, uh, going to a massage therapist was beneficial for the touching experience. Can, can you say more about that? Is that true? Am I thinking Ab- right? Absolutely. If you don't have a partner or someone to be with, I mean, right now with coronavirus, it's a tough time to go get a massage. <laughs> yes. But hopefully, hopefully we'll be able to do that again. And it's not just massage. There's all kinds of body work. So this is probably a better time. Even Reiki, you're still putting energy out there. You don't want to be close to someone. But right. there's there's a lot of power in receiving touch. There are many research studies that were done at the research the Touch Research Institute. It was in Miami, Florida. I believe it's still there. Uh, mm. They studied people receiving like 15 minutes three times a week of massage and it did all these wonderful things for the body but it was even better when the person touched someone else so by Uh, giving that loving touch you are helping yourself because just the the quality of touching and intentionally loving touch lowers your own blood pressure, calms your system down, aligns your body. It does so much for you. But as you were talking about your pet Moo, who's blind and deaf, my thought immediately was there are many men who probably would be so much more loving to their woman if she was blind and deaf Mm. because she wouldn't be able to say things. She wouldn't see everything that he's doing wrong and she would need him and she would mm-hmm. be hopefully grateful for whatever he does give to her. Mm. And just imagine for a moment how that man would feel. He could feel so valued and so important and so powerful. So I, I just right. thought of that as you were talking, not that we right. we should go back to being blind and deaf, But what I am saying is to realize how often, of course, a lot of men do this, but right now I'm talking to women, how often women make the environment unsafe for the man. She's Uh, angry. She jumps on him when he says whatever it is, and he doesn't even understand what he did wrong because in his thinking, his macho thinking from whatever his training was, He's doing the right thing. He's not supposed to be so sensitive. And mm-hmm. she's weak. And, you know, all, he has all these thoughts. And she just comes at him and jumps on him. And that goes back and forth. So somebody right. has to stop it. One way is for both of you to go for counseling. The problem, mm-hmm. a problem that happens in couples counseling when you're together is that if one of you is much more verbal talks faster, quicker, and more verbal, you can be suppressing the other person. And it can be very hard in front of the third party, the therapist, for the quieter person to really say what's on their mind. Because the other person, each time they talk quickly and fast and judgmental, 
it shuts down your brain. So that's why it's good to go for your own counseling separately and also together. It was separate uh, counselors, yeah. so you really get to express your own feelings. That can get expensive, but there are ways, there are groups you can go to. There's so many ways to get help if you really mm-hmm. want it and you're really willing to do what it takes instead of just putting the blame on the other person. You see yeah. the relationship as something that you both need to put a lot of energy into, and if one isn't, it's really difficult. One person can help to heal a relationship, but it's much harder if both people are not involved. Yes. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. Um, in your, you wrote three books, and they're they're about touch and love. Uh, what are your three titles, uh, well, Doctor? What happened is. I wrote a huge book called Love Me, Touch Me, Heal Me. Yes. The Physical, Emotional, Sexual, and Spiritual Reawakening. And then it was just too big when we got to e-books. So I made it into oh. four smaller e-books and books. And one of them is Touch Me, Please. And then it has three smaller books that were made into Kindle books. So that's why it yes. became very accessible in little chunks. Because it was yes. originally just too much. <laughs> I also wrote a, was, a novel, Love in the Blizzard of Life. That, yeah. that was fun, <laughs> you know, to create that. That oh, so the book, Love in the I, Blizzard I could, of Life, is was that the large book or was that another book you no, wrote? No, no, that's a separate. That's a separate book. Love a in separate the Blizzard book? of Life. Yeah, and I also well, have a new book that I just want to put out on as an opportunity to do it. This book was written in 1910. It's a public domain book, and I got it published where I added images and a little bit of questions for each chapter. The reason I love this book, it's called The Science of Being Well by Wallace D. Waddles. And at the time of coronavirus right now, it is so valuable. He wrote this book in 1910 and talks about what it takes to be well. And we don't hear that on the news. We only hear that we need to get a vaccine. We need someone outside of us to save us. Yes. But what about Mm -hmm. what you can do right now to keep yourself, your own immune system, stronger? And he gives the principles of wellness. So it's worth looking at. Mm. Yeah, I, I'm not familiar with that book. I do know that um, others that he had written in the Waddles book. He wrote The Science but, um, of Getting Rich. And then yes. when I found, and I love The Science of Getting Rich because it's a spiritual book about giving first and then you will receive. I also mm-hmm. put that one into a Kindle book. But when I saw that he wrote The Science of Being Well, I got really excited. <laughs> because he said these principles in 1910, so long ago, over a century ago, and they apply right now to our world at the moment. Isn't that amazing? Absolutely. That's why we're writing and speaking like what you're doing, it really is valuable. It stays mm-hmm. with people. Years mm-hmm. and years later, they remember something or they check back. Yeah. 
I, that brought up a, our very, my very first trip abroad was to Egypt. And, uh, my husband and I went there and our guide was from there, of course. And he would always, all through the trip while we were there, he would say, nothing new under the sun. Nothing new under the sun. And I, when you said that about 1910 and, and Waddle's writing, I was like, oh, nothing new under the sun. If we just read, it's here for us. Right. And what I also realized is he wrote it in 1910. And the yeah. epidemic that they had at that time was in 1918 or 1917. So he had not yet seen a pandemic when he wrote that book. So it's even more relevant for us because it was before that incident happened and he was talking about health. So it's amazing. Nothing new under the sun. Uh And that's the way it is with love and relationships. There is nothing new. There is really learning about love. I have a course also, Love Lessons for Your Soul, they really are lessons. There's a way to learn about love that will change the way you view love forever. Mm. That sounds like a great course. We had all that needs to be in high schools. We all need to learn how about love. I don't think we we we, we understand it. I don't. No, we think we think it's so much more about what we receive and how it makes mm-hmm. us look. You know, if I choose a man who's successful and handsome and, you know, wealthy and we live in a big home, it makes me look good. Yes. If I choose a partner who has an alcohol problem and in and out of rehab and looks messy and doesn't make any money lately and loses his job, that makes me look bad. (laughs) Yes. Those are so... I should love this person, but what if you love him? What if you know those qualities in that person? And this history has all kinds of stories of someone that stayed by a person who had whatever their problem was. And yeah. like people that stay by the bedside of someone in a coma, and then the person comes out of the coma. You know, yeah. or a child that has a really serious disease. And the parent stays there and fights for that child and gets the best help possible. And the child grows up like there are children with autism where the parents stood by them and they grew up and graduated from college and all kinds of stories. Mm. Not always possible, but beautiful how love can really do something for people. Another example is Viktor Frankl. Was walk was in a concentration camp, walking with the bare feet and the ice and snow, and he was holding an image of his wife's smile while he was walking, and that mm. saved him. That gave him the impetus, the courage, the strength to keep going, and he eventually wow. got out of there and spread love around the world. Yes, yes. Do you believe? That if a person doesn't experience or carry love, that it's possible for them to forgive? I think they go together. 
you can't forgive someone else because you have to forgive yourself. You have to forgive yourself. And I don't even know if I like the word forgive because nobody really did anything wrong. That person was just being who they are. There's a way of thinking to actually thank this person for whatever they did because that taught you something for the lesson that they gave you. And there's so Mm -hmm. many examples of people that had brutal abuse at a young age but came out of it, struggled, and created an amazing life later on, you know, with whatever they did. Amazing success. Not to say that it's a good thing that happened, but they benefited from the lesson. There are people who were in concentration camps that forgave their abuser, you know, whoever it was. And right. but it isn't so much forgiveness. It's really understanding and loving yourself, knowing that you, who you are, is a gift. We have to know that. Every one of us is a gift. We influence and affect the people around us, and we don't even realize how much. You go into a restaurant, and the waiter or waitress is having a hard time. I remember I was so annoyed with the waitress. She wasn't coming over. She was standing there. She was talking to someone. But instead of getting angry, I happened to ask her what was going on. She was Mm -hmm. having a back problem. Her back was hurting her so much, she had trouble. So after my meal, I went to CVS, and I bought her something, something to put on her back, like a band or something. I just felt loving in that moment, and I Mm -hmm. gave it to her. I don't always react like that. A lot of times I'd just be annoyed and snappy, (laughs) and I realize the more loving that we can be in every moment, we don't know what anyone else is going through. Yeah, love is in the moment. Yeah. I, I, Dr. Erica, I love that you brought out that we have to the forgiveness piece has to be love, forgive yourself or love yourself, recognize that you are love. I love the very first time that I was ever exposed to that. And I'm so glad you shared it with my audience, but it was so powerful to me. I mean, it just like rocked my world because I had not ever heard that before. And it was just so powerful. So thank you. And you're welcome. And also, the first time that I sat in a workshop where I had to look into someone else's eyes and stay there, that was so hard for me. My (laughs) eyes would flip from side to side. And I have discovered, I ask people to look in the mirror. So you're looking at yourself. You're not looking at anybody else. Look into your own eyes and tell yourself, I love you. Would yes. you believe that that could be the hardest thing in the world for so many people? They can't even look right into their own eyes and say, mm-hmm. I love you, because they just mm. don't feel that for whatever reason. So that's a place to start and to ask yourself, what's stopping me from loving me? Forget about loving anybody else. What is stopping me or blocking me or what do I think is wrong with me? And then maybe Mm -hmm. who told me that? Where did I get that idea? Maybe when I was a child, I was teased in the schoolyard Mm -hmm. by other children. Maybe because I was different. I mean, who knows what the reason is? Maybe I was shy. 
and it could be any reason. And that doesn't mean that that's truth at all. Those children may have been really narrow-minded. So mm-hmm. what is stopping or blocking me from loving me? And then ask yourself, what would have to happen for me to overcome those feelings that I don't love myself? So yes. the next yes. thing is mm-hmm. in, in every moment, whenever you think about it, you're sitting somewhere and you're being judgmental, stop a moment and say, you know, how is this affecting my ability to love? Or why am I thinking that? Or how can I think more lovingly? I like to say what Neil Donald Walsh said in Conversations with God. He said, what would, he asked, what would love do now? And I thought, if I'm being loving in this moment, what would I do for the other person? And it's not that. It's what would love do now for me? So if I was being Ah. more loving in this moment, what would I do for me? And the most loving thing for me might be to show love to this other person because eventually that will come back to me. Not that you're doing it for that reason, but by showing the love now, that is sending out loving energy that will come back. It's like a boomerang. It may not Mm. come back immediately from that person, but it will come back. There's a law of the universe that what you put out, it does come back, and it comes back in different ways, unexpected ways. Mm. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Um, I um, I uh, sometimes wonder about those children that never get that love so early that can change their lives so drastically so that their, their journey is really full of struggle and, um, how it's going to play out for them. Um, well, there, there was a study done in Lebanon. I believe it was after world war two. Dr. John Money was a leading psychologist, and he sent me that book because he knew I was talking about touch. And Mm -hmm. I cherish that little book. It's called Children of the Crash. And what happened is these were orphans in an orphanage in Lebanon. And in the first few years of life, in the first 18 months, if they did not receive touch and sensual stimulation, like The people working there had been in an orphanage, so they did not receive the love and the touch when they were children, so they didn't give it. So these infants were deprived of touch. And if they were not adopted within the first, I think it was 18 months, they would be retarded, mentally retarded for the rest of their life. Whereas if they were adopted within those 18 months, they would gradually regain their intellect. But we've also learned that the brain is malleable, plastic, there's plasticity, that the brain can still develop these billions of connections later on, but it's so much harder when you don't receive it when you're really young. 
So yeah. when you understand all of that, you can have a lot more compassion for people who are what we call evil, who do terrible things. Yes. Nobody yeah. who feels yeah. loved and loving would want to hurt anybody else. So if right. somebody has an intention to hurt people, you know that somewhere along the line, they did not receive love. Yes. They weren't Dr. Erica, and nurtured. Yes. I have to, unfortunately, I have to go. And I'm so sorry because this could go on for another hour. I'm just so loving our conversation today. But I thank you for being here with us today that you could share this really powerful message. Thank you so much for inviting me. It was delightful talking with you. Thank you. All right, people, I want you to stay very current and full of love this week and really go to scienceandpoetryoflove.com to receive the message. It's so great to have people like Dr. Erica Goodstone out there doing so much good work. Thank you for being here today. See you next week. Joyce Buford returns next week at the same time for another edition of Second Wind. Through the Joyce Buford Empowerment System, women are receiving the support they need through their transitions and are able to reclaim their true purpose with confidence. They receive the tools they need to map out new lives. You can find out more about her coaching services at JoyceBufordEmpowers.com.